Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 407 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Nathan Buckley, Pete Cooper and Anthony Enright of Creature Cauldron about the design and development of their action roguelite, Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. So, there's been a few of these games that have been popping out recently. The most famous is Vampire Survivors. But I'm not going to compare these, these two games because I think it's unfair because... I've found Spirit Hunters a very different experience. It's much more graphically lush, and everything's much bigger, much bigger. It's almost as if you zoomed in on the action, whereas other titles have much smaller little, I'm not going to call them sprites because that's an old term, but smaller little things, images, dudes. No, not that, things, people. You know what I mean? Anyway, whereas this is much more vibrant pops out of the screen quite aggressively in a, in a nice way, but it really sort of draws you in that way. Even though it's popping out, it's drawing you in. It's very strange. But And I had a fantastic chat with Nathan, Pete and Anthony. I don't normally have that many people on as guests on the show. It can be a bit of a, a gaggle of voices, but I think everyone behaved. Of course they did. And we got to some really interesting discussions. It's a little bit of a longer show because of so many people, and that's fine. Um, Some shows are shorter than others, some longer, but on on average we try to make sure it's about an hour. And I'm still still reeling from the fact that this is the 407th show. I mean, I went to PAX West 2022 very recently. I'm actually recording this just before EGX 2022, and I know it's probably, you know, when you're listening to this a year from now, like, oh, I remember that. But Talking to developers and telling them about my show and how long in the tooth it is, it's quite a positive reaction. People are like, wow, wow, how did you do that? Well, I said, yeah, I don't know, but here we are. But anyway, enough of that. Let's, let's, this is already going long, and this is a long show, so we should, should we just cut to the chase and hear me chat to Nathan, Pete, and Anthony about this amazing game that is Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. Chris, please, take it away. Anthony, Pete, and Nathan. Hello. 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 Hi. Starting with our virtual table that we have here, everyone, we're going to start with Anthony. And we're going Hello. To go around. Anthony, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Anthony, and uh, I make video games um, in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> currently, um, I am a partner of Creature Cauldron, uh, which is a studio that we've started quite recently. Uh, and within that studio, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit of a generalist in, for the most part, but uh, I, I sort of do a lot of the animation, VFX, a lot of content building, um, a lot of game design. Me and Pete design a lot of stuff together. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically who I am within Creature Cauldron. Nice. And Pete, with you sitting in the realm of Creature Cauldron things? Um, so I do... Design and art. Um, so, yeah, me and Ant tag team most of the design. Um, and I do all the 2D and 3D art 
in the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Exceptional work. I have to say, really, you have a, you have a, a an eye for lighting quite exceptional. Thank you for that. So <laughs> Nathan, what Hello. do you do? In uh, so I'm Nathan. I'm Nathan. Um, I'm another partner of the Creature Cauldron uh, Games Studio, and I'm I do the programming majority. Sometimes they let me. Ch- they don't like. I sometimes I chip in for the design. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, so that's fun, but um, predominantly uh, all the technical stuff, and also fixing when Pete breaks things as well. <laughs> Daily. Daily. Such, such, such is oh, the God. way of things. Yes. No. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so again, going around a virtual table, we're going to ping round and uh, Anthony. How did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Well, um, oh, that goes all the way back to me being a kid. But to keep it short and sweet, um, yeah. I was always fascinated with video games. It was it was always my life. Um, I went through school, all of these things. I did art. I did you know computer science and all this stuff. But I never I never really went to university, and I never got into the AAA. Uh, and I started just working jobs uh, i was a chef for a while i was a police officer but all during this time i was designing video games and playing video games and and making video games um and then i decided actually i'm going to try and sell one after all these years so i made my first game as Windybeard, who i was for a long time online that was my own personal solo outfit um and i just figured out how to make a game and sell it um and this coincided quite nicely with the very first uh, rendition of Steam Greenlight. I don't know if you remember Steam Greenlight, oh, when yes. Steam first started letting normal people try yeah. and sell a game on their platform. Yeah. Uh, and, and I managed to get through one of the first waves of Steam Greenlight, got onto Steam um, and sold some games. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is pretty good. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and then, you know, eight, seven, eight games later, I'm, I'm sitting here with these chaps um, and that's it, really. So I've, I've never been a AAA guy. I've never worked for a studio. I've always worked on my own up until recently. I say on my own. You know, there's always other people involved. But um, predominantly as a solo developer, making whatever the hell I wanted, whenever I wanted. Uh, and that's pretty much brought me to this point. Yeah, it's sort of like reveled in when that happened, when in 2007 everything exploded uh, yeah i remember when that happened and you know xbox live arcade and indie yeah, arcade yeah. like what was what's what's going on anyone yeah. can it was just it was amazing it was yeah i was watching as like braid and you know super meat boy and these things yeah. sort of exploded into the world and it was sort of like oh and indie games actually are something outside of forums you know yeah um and then i luckily just after these guys that was where i sort of made my start um i never really skyrocketed like those guys did sadly but i uh, i made enough and i kept myself going you know nice. and, and here uh, i am cool excellent well you pete what did you make your start making video games um a long time ago um and i'm an older guy uh i worked well i went to um i was in the i was in the u.s army um and then from there, I went to uh, one of the only schools that had any game stuff 20 years ago, uh, which is called Full Sail University. Um, and then right out of school, I got a job at a studio called Enspace as a art generalist. Because um, back in the day, everyone was a generalist for the most part. <laughs> people, did, people didn't do... Uh, uh, it, it was you know, a lot less, you know, do one thing like it is now in, in the big studios. 
Um, but uh, I worked on a, the first game I worked on was a game called Geist for the GameCube uh, and some some original DS games. <laughs> uh, that was that was a lot of fun. I was in two, that shipped in 2004, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I got to work on a bunch of stuff. I got to work on uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, for the handheld stuff and Star Wars Force Unleashed and um, a really terrible uh, 007 game. <laughs> you just can't uh, do a golden eye. They keep on trying it like, you know, you just don't really get it. Dude. No offense to your good self, but you said it. So <laughs> it's, it's very, very hard to recapture that magic. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was it was called Goldeneye Double Agent. So okay. it was the name Goldeneye. Yeah. That, it's like, no, not the good Goldeneye. No, no the terrible Goldeneye. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, then after that, uh, I was actually recruited by Blizzard. Um, so I went to Blizzard and I was there for five years, primarily working on Diablo 3. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then from from there, I also got to work on uh, Hearthstone, which was which was great, and I got to help do early concepts for Overwatch. Um, and then from there, I went to Riot Games, uh, where I became an art director, uh, and I was on I was at Riot for six years on League of Legends and a bunch of R and D stuff, uh, the Legends of Runeterra card game. Uh, and then after that, uh, what, what did I do after that? Oh, after that, I, <clears throat> I went to start, I, I run a nonprofit, uh, game company, basically, uh, gamers for good. That's the logo. Nice. I got. Nice. Uh, with my wife, Liz. Um, and we, we were doing that for years and years. And then we decided to try to just do that full time and see if we could, we could make that work. Um, we did that for a couple of years. It was very difficult. Uh, and then, uh, ended up doing a few other, uh, going back into the AAA space, uh, going to Frostkeep and then going to airship and, and then finally just deciding, you know, once COVID hit, we're like, I was like, you know, I, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. So I'm going to, I was already working with Ant here on, uh, Galactic Mining Corp, helping him with his his last game right and uh we just decided hey let's let's team up and yep. start a studio because you know mm-hmm. everyone's working from home now so yeah there's no no reason to work with <laughs> anyone work from for a, anyone else so. and, and also around the world so it's great <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so, yeah. so it, was a, it was a good opportunity so yeah we we jumped on it and started this yeah well it it yeah, we'll talk about more about spirit hunters and the input you had and the uh definite um it shows the the, the caliber of work you've been doing over all, the, all these years it's definitely popping out from the screen for us so thanks pete um nathan when you make your start it's hard to follow up on pete there so um compared to these guys i've not actually been in the games industry for that long okay um first part of my life you know, I was I grew up with games. I, I had a hand me down Atari uh, from my uncle uh, when I was a, a little kid, mm-hmm. and so that's where I started like learned programming for the first time, making little you know text adventures and little games on the Atari eight hundred XL. And then from that, um, traded that in for a Mega Drive because <laughs> it was like I, I wanted the Mega Drive, and all my friends had it. And then just fell in love with games uh, through that as well. 
Um, and then I, I I went into performing arts and um, acting for a little while and yeah. tried to become an actor. Um, but I, I'm awful at acting, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't land any interviews really. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and it's a tough yeah, craft. I've, I've got, it really is a difficult craft. It is master. difficult craft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a very embarrassing last um, audition, so I was okay. like, no, I'm, I quit. That, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Uh, so then, um, so I, I then was after all this and a bit of life hurdles and stuff. I was um, went back to university uh, as a mature student, and while doing all this, I was doing little game jams and little games and and all that kind of stuff. And then, because I was a mature student, I needed money because I was broke. So uh, I landed a very good um, opportunity doing embedded software um, oh. for a, a small company um, called Advark Embedded Solutions, and you know, nothing to do with games. But in the background, I was always tinkering and making little games. Right. And then, um, and then I, I started watching Anthony. He, I don't, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but he streams on Twitch. Okay. Um, and he streamed a lot through Windybeard Games. I started watching Anthony and I was going, you know what? Um, not that if this guy can do it, I can do it. It was more. If this idiot can do it. It was more, you know, so I started speaking to Anne and I, I expressed my interest against the game industry and just kind of like, you know, different ways to do it. And uh, he helped with some advice and stuff. And, um, and then. I started attending indie dev meetups in Manchester, uh, which is a, a the city near me. It's uh-huh. a, it's got a, the nice uh, developer um, uh, groups and stuff. Yeah. And then through that, I, sp- I spoke to a guy called Andrew Benison, um, who run uh, Prospect Games, um, and they did like um, Unbox Newbies Adventure uh, for Switch and PC and stuff. And so Great. through that, I started working on with him um, and his company Prospect Games. And then I got the opportunity to, and this was probably about four years ago four or five years ago. And then through that, I got the opportunity to do contracting work through Prospect for a couple of different games. So Beyond Steel Sky um, and um, um, Sea of Thieves mm. did some work on that. Really cool. Well, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was, it was only um, a short still, contract, but I still it was, it was jump into it every now and again. I feel like an adventure. I know. Sea of Thieves, um, don't do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful game and it's crafted by some amazing people as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and then, um, so... I had a baby. Well, I didn't personally have a baby. My wife did. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we get um, the context. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, and then I was deciding what, what I wanted to do in my life. I'd had some savings, and then Anthony and um, uh, Pete approached me saying, would you like to be our programmer? Because uh, we did a game jam not too long ago, um, Global Game Jam, and we all gelled and we worked nicely together. So I was like, hell yeah, let's jump on and do that. So that's when you know landed here, um, working with these two guys. Yeah, Ooh. that's pretty much pretty much where we are now. Wonderful yeah. story. That's yeah. so varied. And the fact you come from, you know, and and uh, Anthony similar. This is like you went off and did all sorts of different careers, and then like <laughs> no, no, still, it just really does teach people you, you do not have to be some fetus that's programming in their, yep. you know, and yeah. when they pop out and then yeah, that's how it works. We've had guests like that on the show, don't get me wrong. But we also <laughs> have people from all different backgrounds find themselves making flashy lighty video games. Yes. Uh, yeah. I can definitely relate to the streaming. The last game I streamed was Steel Battalion. That's the one oh, with yeah. the massive controller. Oh, that and, thing. Yeah, I know the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's <laughs> an experience. It's a great, yeah. It's an <laughs> extraordinary thing that I cannot describe until you. Just have a go. I can't. It's scary. Oh, nice. Exactly. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's very difficult because it's made by Capcom. Mm. They made Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, yes. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> Unapologetic. They, they just yeah. want to hurt you. That's what they do. Yeah. It's the Capcom, <laughs> you just want to hurt you. <laughs> I love the, the eject button. Yeah, you have to open up the flap and then press it. Otherwise, yep. you lose all your saves. Yep. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That game. Anyway, <laughs> I got very proficient at it. I'm surprised at myself, but yeah, it's it's a, it's an experience. Anyway, so thanks for all your histories and stuff. Now, this next question is kind of open ended and nebulous, and you can answer it as a collective, as 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 you know, as you are representing uh, Creature Cauldron, which is a great name, which we will come back to later. But all, all individually. But what do you believe are your biggest influences? That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I suppose it depends if we want to answer that collectively or personally. Um, mm. I imagine they're they're quite different, really. Yeah. Yeah, mine are quite different from yours. Yeah, things, I think. So I'll just <laughs> I individual because sometimes I have guests yeah, yeah. will come together, but it, it depends. So Anthony, what's what's your uh, what's your biggest influence? You think as a creator of things? Uh, I think it's just where where i f- spent my time when i was younger um so i just buried myself in video games um and i was very sort of specific i played loads of different video games as many as i could get my hands on you know but uh, back then games were few and far between really um but i was i was obsessed with nintendo and how they made things um and the way they made things um and you know, I played Sega stuff and all that, but it just it just felt like leagues ahead, in like much much higher to me, and it still kind of does in a lot of ways. Um, and then as time sort of moved on, I found Rare on the N sixty four, and they probably had the biggest early impact on me as a creator because it was at that point that I wanted to make video games, and I specifically wanted to work for Rare. That was that was my plan for myself moving forward, which didn't pan out, but. I still played everything they ever made, um, and I think, I think Nintendo and Rare they, they have a magic in what they do. They, 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 you know, some things can be hit and miss, but there's there's something special about what they make. Um, and for the most part, those are the two biggest early influences on me that made me decide this is this is what I really want to do. And then, obviously, as times passed, I've played loads of games and chatted to loads of people and seen some great stuff that's just fueled that further. Um, but those two, I suppose, were the biggest early influences for me. Right, right. Just like the like-minded or the appreciating the craft and what they did and how their approach to creation of games is the one yeah. thing that sort of inspired. Because you're right, Nintendo have always, always had a completely different approach yeah, yeah. for good and ill. It's, yes, it's, 100% you know, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, some of it uh, doesn't quite land, and they admit that, <laughs> I yep. think. Yeah, but uh, they just move on, you know. Yep. Anyway, so Pete, how about you? What what uh, gets you buzzing, or do you think originally got you buzzing? Um, so much like Ant, I was huge into games as a kid. You know, uh, me and my brothers were. That's basically all we did is find games and play everything we can possibly play. Um, uh, and I was. Uh, the the company that I think got me the most inspired. Well, I was I was really inspired by Asteroids when I was very young. Um, I played a trillion hours of Asteroids <laughs> at the arcade. Uh, I wasted all my money on it. Um, but then uh, there's a studio called Treasure that I really yep. really enjoyed. Um, they made some very odd games like Dynamite Heady uh, and uh, 
Gunstar Heroes was that, a huge one. Uh, bonkers, yeah. Yeah, completely bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Broke every rule that was set down, like, you don't do this. Oh, no, we do do this. Um, yeah, yeah. Still celebrated as a classic to this day. When they did the board game thing where you throw the dice and and the little thing goes around, like, that was mind-blowing to me. Like, yeah. it was just a yeah. brilliant design. Um, and then they made a game called uh, Guardian Heroes, for the Saturn, which is one of my all-time favorite games, uh, has one of the greatest PvP modes where you can just tweak everything in the game. You can put every enemy up to level 999, and you can put <laughs> like you can just do anything to it. Like it's just chaos. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that that was uh, that was just so phenomenal. That's where I was like, yeah, I really want to figure out how I can do this. Uh, for a living yeah uh, i was always an artist so um you know i was i was i was trying to get into comic books um uh and i i loved image comics todd mcfarlane and uh you know joe matt on on x-men and all those guys so i was i was really drawing trying to draw like them when right. i was young um uh and then i would say yeah, I, mean, I would say that's those are probably my 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 biggest early inspirations. Right. Um, then yeah, loads of things from PlayStation One. Rare, I also loved Rare. Um, right, right. But yeah. Okay, so the the the, the act of um, the, the creation of the the, the you really appreciated good art, not not bad imagery, illustration, illustration, much better word. That's what you sort of like glean from, and uh, so yeah, I can get into that, and also relate to how that inputs into into games as well. Nathan, uh, so mine's a little bit not as um, I, I don't, and um, so it was Atari, Tom Hanks, Rob Zombie, okay, and, <laughs> and Sega. That's that's a that's a that's a cocktail right there. Okay, so so kind of adventure games. Okay, so okay. so when I was when I was younger, you know, I had, my, I had an Atari passed down to me, and I started learning to program from yeah. that, and making text adventures. And I had a friend who lived around the block, and he had an Atari ST, and we used to make more of it text adventure games. And we loved the fact that we could get stories um, in and make choices, and all that kind of cool stuff. And that was a, a big uh, kind of influence. But it all came from me from. Um, later on was you know the film big with tom hanks in it mm-hmm. um it, there's a bit in that where they have where he goes to the toy store and he comes up with this cool idea where there's, a, there's this um i think it was a magazine or a book um where the, you, you read the book and then you make a choice at the end and it carries on yeah and that for me was a very profound kind of like whoa imagine if you could do that yeah um kind of moment and so so that's always and my, my kind of a games of choice are probably more linear and story based um than than um, ants and maybe pete's but that it's, it's driven from this kind of like I love the ability that we've got stories that we can tell, but there's choices to be made mm. and that kind of. And so a lot of my kind of gaming um, past was always like you know Quest for Glory, the Sierra Online games, um, you know Monkey Island, obviously and Lucas Arts games and things, and that all inspired me. And Rob Zombie was um, uh, an influence because I love his horror. I like horror and I like his horror films. I like what he's done, kind of like um, with like um, House of a Thousand Corpses and and um, and the other ones. Uh, Devil's Rejects and all that, and I like how he's kind of taken like his own, just his own stuff because he, he pretty much did a lot of like the writing and directing and all that kind of stuff for those things, and he just kind of put his own spin on things and and that, and it's 
it's like for me that's all like a melting pot of um like ideas like story you know doing your own thing and, and having your own choices and and mashing that and getting people to experience it but have them apply their own choices and, and stuff like that so yeah that's kind of like the influence on me but like tom hanks yeah the power of choice yeah sounds Sorry? like the power of choice yeah the power of choice yeah yeah not mm-hmm. the illusion the power of it the power. because the power. That's the, the the thing of most people think the thought the, the choose an adventure games only have ultimately one ending and yeah. their branches are actually a big bushel sometimes. Yes, yeah. Or they actually do branch out, but the ones the other endings aren't really endings, it's like, oh I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that's why Quest for Glory was great, because they had you know, you play the first one and then yeah. you could continue that character and yeah. some choices all the way to the fifth one. That's you know, amazing. Uh, that was a big and obviously that leads into my love of Mass Effect as well. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this next one, thanks for great answers. Great answers, everyone. Really wonderful. I've had a lot of guests that sort of sit there stumped like, the universe? Okay, that works. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, it all depends on the guest and the nature of the game they've made. But next question, and this one's also a toughie. It gets worse. Like I said, it's going <laughs> to... Um, is uh, what uh, game developer you admire most and why? Is that, uh, is that for me? Yeah, it's for you. Um... Developers, more can we? Are we doing companies and studios? People uh, or companies don't mind, and it can be multiple. Okay. But uh, just the ones you go, yeah, you there, you carry on doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Yeah. Um, so a few I'd, I'd pull to mind. Obviously, Nintendo and Rare. We've spoken to those guys. Um, but again, obviously those guys. But uh, the the Behemoth. Oh yes, you know, the, the Behemoth. Yeah. One of the things I greatly respect about them and their games is they, you you know, it's their game. It doesn't matter what it is, what genre it is, or what you're doing in it. Yeah. You immediately know it belongs to them, and they yeah. don't care no. what you think. They just make what they want to make, yeah. how they want to make it, and make it look like they want to look. And it looks awesome, and they play great. Yeah. So I have a ton, ton of respect for them, because I look at their games, and everything about it is is sort of joyous. It's colorful. It's stupid. It's I, I'm a lover of the absurd when it comes to video games <clears throat> and stuff, I think. You know, the world's serious enough as it is. Video games are for fun. Yeah. Um, and that that's my opinion, obviously. Everyone likes different things. But the, the behemoth do that really well for me. I, I look at their stuff and I think, you know, I, I'd love to be like that. You can look at your body of work and go, yeah, that belongs to that guy, that studio, and it's good fun, you know. Yeah. So those guys. Um, I like uh, Level 5. Some of their earlier games were a big impact on me. Dark mm-hmm. Cloud, for example. Um, especially Dark Cloud 2, uh, Dark Chronicles, it's called over here. That um, is a very special game to me. The, so much of it's so good. Uh, they had a great game called Fantasy Life uh, on DS. So they, they, as a studio, make sp- like really intricate and deep progression systems. And personally, as a developer, that's one of the most important things to me. That's what I'm interested in in games and in design is the progression and the the sort of the the reward systems within games so and i think level five are some of the make some of the best systems like that in in the industry um and then if we go a bit further afield to sort of mobile there's a company called kairosoft who again are a company that make simple but deep games um and they're instantly identifiable as theirs they're very rewarding to play, and they're simple and colourful, and they're just they're just fun. They've they've moved into the whole free to play, you know, microtransaction yeah. market now. But they used to be, you know, three ninety nine a game, bang, you know, they were great. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's cool. sort of, you know, there's millions of other companies, obviously. Yeah, I know. So many, so many still... great ones. You could go forever, but yeah, th- those could. were some of the 
the probably the more bigger ones. I would Hence say. it being difficult to answer, but excellent job, yes. Anthony. Well done. Yeah. Hey, anyone you, you think's like, oh yeah, you keep doing what you're doing, you're great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it I used to uh I used to look up to loads of like big AAA companies like Blizzard was, you know, like the yeah, yeah. dream because it's their stuff was so cool. Like Warcraft was amazing, art was incredible. Yeah. Uh and then um once I got to Blizzard, it was it it kind of shifted because uh I was I, I realized how much I liked the weird stuff. Uh and it was way harder to do weird stuff in you know in, yeah. in big studios because yeah. you know yeah. they, they they play it more safe and risk averse yeah 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 ex- exactly so so once i was making games it was like man how do we get to the weird stuff so uh, <laughs> and i love doing game jams and whatnot but um when league of legends came out when i was working on diablo 3 diablo 3 is like super it, it's kind of stiff you know you, you can only use humans and you can only fight demons right it's very right and then league of legends was like there's a chibi green mummy that cries yeah for for its attacks like it's yeah, just yeah. the most ridiculous absurd yeah. stuff and I was like, yeah these guys are having a ton of fun doing stupid shit so we should <laughs> <laughs> how do we get some of this insanity into the there's game? a box so... quote for you there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so well to get back to the question like uh yeah just i i, I really wanted more and more crazy stuff so it's like um I really liked uh, Lauren Lanning. Uh, yeah. Oddworld stuff was yeah. always a lot of fun. Really ridiculous over the top. Uh, Tim Schafer was always amazing. Yeah. I loved, yeah. loved all of this stuff. And then Psychonauts was brilliant. Um, Very clever, uh, witty man. He's, he really <laughs> yeah. is. He's annoyingly uh, so sometimes, but yes. <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine, Joe Marabello, um, he was a triple A AAA guy and he uh after getting laid off multiple times from AAA and was really kind of disgruntled he he started his own studio called terrible posture games uh and he his last game was mother gunship and so he was he was really influential to me to see someone transition from AAA to kind of uh, the indie space yeah so he's was... been on the show twice so oh really Fantastic. he's been a repeat guest yes he's been on mother gunship the forged cool, yeah. it's the vr version of it which is amazing oh yeah 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 uh, and then he did yeah. the three out of ten um uh the point and click adventure game so yeah yeah, yeah three yeah, out of ten yeah. is crazy that's, yeah yeah so he, he just embraces the absurdity like the weirdness he's just like isn't this a bit weird you're running around with a gun in front of you all of the time oh yeah let me mm. just make it a feature then okay let's just make it a ridiculous yeah. gun that you can't possibly hold it'll be fine but uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and i think the biggest yeah. thing that um that my biggest influence has has probably been uh, Supergiant Games. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Gen Gen Z's arts and their design and just everything. They went from you know a small studio and they've stayed small. You know, like that's yeah, that's yeah. really that's really inspiring. Um, yeah. You know, from five to maybe what are they, sixteen now or something? Like that's yeah, yeah. that's 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 awesome. I love that. It's uh, it's amazing that that we were uh, Kane and Vince is recording a show about oh, I was thinking last week or this week on Pyre. Uh, oh yeah, and that's a game I sort of demoed at PAX West I think in 2017, way way back. I remember talking to Supergiant at the time and they said you've made a game about rugby. He went yeah, 
<laughs> this is rugby. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah, thanks for spotting it, Chris. Well done. Yes, we know you'd spot that. Yes, it's rugby. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sue us. We can't. It's just rugby. It's a public domain. Stop it. But no, they're, they're very sort of like it's lovely that they can take a sport like which is almost it's difficult to really fathom and turn it into an extraordinary video game, and with an amazing story. Uh, and it's just yeah, so good mm-hmm. stuff. So finally, Nathan, who. Uh, who you sort of point to and go, yeah, you carry on doing what you're doing, please. Oh, um, it's quite difficult. And I suppose um, that I admire. Um, I'm not very good with names, um, but right. I'm kind of I'm, I'm not often um, inspired by individuals. No. Um, so for, as we spoke about earlier, like Quest for Glory was a big one for me. Yeah. I think the names were Laurie and Anne Cole, I believe, mm-hmm. from Sierra Online. They were, you know, a massive uh, just the design and the um, implementation and and the continuation of you know. Fr- throughout the games which obviously yeah. i assume um, influenced mass effect and, and that kind of those kinds of things um, um there's a, um, obviously Ant, um well again a bit too cheesy there but obviously you know um, he, he's one of the reasons i'm now doing this um, you, you know Ch- cheers pal yeah yeah there you go. Uh, but um yeah but obviously you know without kind of coming across his stream and meeting him i might have i'm not might have had the push because it was a big risk. You know, I'm quite a risk-averse person of, right. of then moving into the game industry. Uh, no wonder you left uh, acting. Really... But anyway, uh, so... no wonder you left acting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was more naive and young and hopeful back then. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, so you know, I left the well-paying job to then go into uh, take a risk to join a, um, a yeah, small yeah. studio. Um, that helped, and Ant was one of the reasons uh, behind that. Mm. Um, there's a guy called um, I don't actually know his full name, but he streams on Twitch. He's called Tobo, and he's um, somebody that you know I, I often watch. And he's been working on a game called Shards of, Go- Shards of Gozen, if that's pronounced correctly, and can correct me uh, for a while. But he just like oozes passion, and um, mm-hmm. and he's so he's such a creative individual. And you know, taking parts and some of his, just watching him stream and stuff, I kind of like I always come away with his, from his streams feeling a little bit more inspired and kind of going, oh, I, I wanted to kind of implement this. I want to do that. Cause I've got an interest in, you know, um, developing like um, retro games and things like that. And I always come away, you know, do, tinkering a little bit more on that side and stuff. So that's cool. Um, other individuals. Um, so I like, like him and, and like um, Pete, I like the weird and wonderful. And there's a, a developer called, and I probably pronounced his last name wrong, called <laughs> Jacob Janurka, who did paradigm and um, he's doing the dungeon experience at the moment. He's making that. I like his, um, and it's one of the reasons I joined um, Pete and Ant is I like his approach to um, the weird and wonderful and how he delivers it and how he kind of presents himself. And I think I'd, if I could have like a bit of his um, ability to present how he presents, I'd be laughing to the bank, <laughs> you know, because like, I, I feel like I feel like he does such a good job and it's very rich um, way of presenting his, his stuff. It's like that's inspiring. And I admire his kind of like... Um, um, just drive for what he works on and stuff, but it's it's like it's a very difficult question because everybody I've worked with, um, yeah, yeah. Have, ha- has like an, a little bit of inspiration yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But it's, I could probably list out everybody I've worked with. Yeah, we could go fun. on for hours. <laughs> yeah, good, so I'll, yeah. I'll stop there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and Super Giant as well is another one for mm. the reason of. Oh uh, yeah, and, yeah. I remember and, seeing um, presentation they gave at PAX West 2019. They're celebrating their ten year anniversary and people get very excited and they're the full auditorium and they're going, Why are you all here? I just don't know. <laughs> like, why are you all here to talk, listen to us numpties? We don't I just don't get it, do you? Just don't get it. You know, just uh So, last question, the first half. You see, you made it. 
Uh, and we kind of legally obliged to ask this question because it's a video game podcast. Here we go. Uh, it's Anthony first. And, uh, what are you playing right now? Uh, right now? Yeah. Um, I've been playing uh, uh, Vampire Survivors. Okay. Of it. Yeah, yes. I've, smashed, I've smashed the hell out of Vampire Survivors. It's only Survivors. two quid or something. Isn't it? It's just the peanuts, oh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people like it. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, I've been playing that. I've been playing, obviously, um, Nomad Survival as well. And... Um, 20 minutes till dawn that right. came out that's that's good so really yeah. enjoying the the space that these games are these yeah, games yeah. are popping up in that we're obviously in as well but very much enjoying that nice. um but i've been playing uh, dragon quest builders 2 i don't know if you've played that that's uh that's a great game i've been enjoying that yeah on and off it's taken me a long time to get anywhere on it though because it's, right. it's uh it's quite a long quite a big old game yeah um uh, I mentioned it earlier, actually, Fantasy Life, a level five game on 3DS. Uh, mm. I've been playing some of that. That's a very okay. interesting game. And then I've also played through the Turtles, the new Turtles game that came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's on Game Pass. So, yeah, I yeah, smashed people, through that. that was people good. are enjoying that. Although, when I think they of are. Turtles, I just remember they, over here in the UK, they called them Hero Turtles. It's just, it's just they did, dumb. yes. It's just not, not in the game, no, not in this game. No, not, not in this game. game. Yeah, they are Ninja Turtles. Yeah. yeah, I was singing along to that, and then it yeah. was the wrong words. I was like, yeah, what? Wrong words. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. I've been playing, been playing through some Quake, actually. That's on Game Pass. I, I, right. I thought, well, let's have a go at that. So I've, yeah. I've been playing playing through Quake as well. Yes. That's, that's kind of me of the last last couple of weeks. Good stuff. Nice, nice variety there. I like it. What about you, Pete? What are you distracting yourself with? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of Warframe lately. Um, nice. They've been on the show. Uh, yeah. Many, many movies. Uh, <laughs> so going through, well, so I, I play kind of everything. It's yeah, yeah. One of yeah. the things I do. I'm, I'm a huge game collector. I have thousands yeah. and thousands of games yeah. from from all, all the days. <laughs> so lately I'm playing through a bunch of the, the demos on the oh, Next yeah. Fest on Steam. Right, so. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, a couple of good standouts. Uh, Dave the Diver uh, was very cool. Right. That was, that was really interesting. Uh, Outclass Hunter was cool. Uh, Stonefly was really, really unique and interesting. Yep. Been on the show um, as well. Really, really good game. I love Stonefly. Non-violent uh, action adventure game. It's really good. Yeah, I, I started getting into uh, Last Epoch a little bit. Uh, a friend of mine bought that for me. Uh, okay. Of course, the Nomad Survivals and Vampire Survivors, Frey yeah. Fights, Twenty Minutes Till Dawns, all the all the games that are kind of in the same space, uh, yeah. similar space to to what what uh, Spirit Hunters is. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I've on and off playing Guild Wars and Among Us and Death Door and uh, I could literally go on yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play, thank, thank I play a lot of games. It does show you're not in a bubble. It's good stuff. That's why I love asking this question because it demonstrates that, of course, I play games. Yeah, totally. It's cool. Um, what about you, Nathan? What's distracting you? Um, so, um, so I've got a ten, 10 month old child. So when oh. I'm not working, I'm normally spending time with her. <laughs> but I do get yes. a chance to kind of sneak in when I'm meant to be working. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have I, I have a running games for Stellaris and Crusader Kings Three, which yeah, I okay. just jump in yep. back in. They, they can play it forever. So. Just percolate, um, like, oh, I know, I'll just move that there. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a bad decision. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got, um, for Christmas, I um, I got a um, Xeno Crisis for the Mega Drive. It's like a, 
a new game for the Mega yeah, Drive, which, yeah, created, yeah, yeah. which is really good. It's like a rogue, roguey like mm -hmm. um, game, but, nice. but you know, retro and lovely. So it's very hard though. So I'm kind of like I just stick it on Mega Mega Drive over there. Every time. <laughs> um, another, I have, I, I was playing some games from the um, the next Steam Fest thing. Um, one of the ones that stuck out for me was um, an adventure game called Old Skies by Wadjet I Games, and that was a really good demo. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, that was good, but yeah, that's pretty much like um, what I'm playing at the moment. Of and the same um, Vampire Survivors, of course. One, cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's. Just... That, I mean, I've not put as many hours in as uh, Ant and Pete have. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's terrifyingly good game. It's just yeah, like, it again, the developer going, "Why do you like this?" Well, <laughs> <laughs> here are many reasons. <laughs> there are many reasons. So, yeah. end of the first half. Here we go. Yay. Let's uh, move into the second half of the show now where we delve deep into Spirit Hunter's Infinite Horde. Again, very different to the first half, and uh, I'll ask the question, and I let one of you have a go at answering, or some of you. So the first one, <laughs> it's not really a question, it's a request, because we can't talk about Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde until we know what it is. So in your own words, any one of you, what is Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde? <laughs> well, I'll have a go. So Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde is uh, a roguelike. Um, that's uh, fed through a combat system where you have passive attacks. Uh, so you level up your character, and in doing so, you get to choose abilities, and these abilities all fire via cooldowns. Um, they may fire at random, they may fire behind you or in front of you, uh, and you collect these abilities so you get stronger to fight an endlessly growing horde of monsters who are trying to kill you. Um, that's the crux of the, the roguelite combat system so every time you play these monsters come for you and you pick different abilities and you get different pets and different stats that increase uh and then this also fuels a currency system so you earn reward for for fighting and winning and which you then spend in a a rather large um what we call the divinity web which is a, a perk tree essentially and then you can buy new abilities new characters new maps to fight in uh, upgrades for abilities stat upgrades new pets and, and a hell of a lot more to come so that's that's essentially what I think is Spirit Hunters is in a nutshell. If I missed anything, guys, please jump in. Yeah, I think you nailed it. That's oh, there we go then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, <laughs> the, the, the 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 vast network and spider web of abilities. I immediately went, "Oh look, 
Path of Exile, only yeah. not nearly as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that game, that's a that's a thing. Whoa, yeah, that's a, that's big, a, in, yeah. big inspiration though. That the Path yeah. of Exile tree specifically is, is yeah. a large inspiration for the Divinity Web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is top down, everyone. So if you're in it and kind of like two, like yeah, you floating and it's not quite isometric. It's sort of like a you know that that's a term much abused. Uh, speakers and engineer, they're like, no, it's not really. Nice. Never mind. <laughs> but it's a it's like a like a sort of like distorted view, which is wonderfully presented and very easy. I love the floating that you're in the middle, you're the centre of attention, yeah. uh, which is great. Uh, it's a three D space yeah. uh, around it, so it's not like flat down, top down. No, no, um, no, absolutely. Because it allows us to do some interesting things with the environment, and it it that certainly does that. And lots of shadows talk a lot about what what's going on. Before yes. we actually see it, like what's that? Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Typically, unless it's a shop. Oh man, that shop. Anyway, <laughs> where's the shop? Come on, where's? The... Oh, there it is. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask this. So, the first design question, because I think you've nailed it. I think we've got a pretty good idea of what we're talking about here, everyone. Is how the player interacts with Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. Is they simply move, or not? And that's really the core of it. It's so the, the simplicity of it is its strength in that you don't have to do anything but move or not <laughs> move. <laughs> and it's knowing when to do those two things at the optimum time. It's extraordinary. And I just want to know how has it been focusing and making sure that that is pretty much the core have you ever found yourself drifting from it? And what have you done to make sure that you don't make sure that you always go back to the you know, less is more, less is more? How have you found that with developing uh, Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde? Um, I mean, I can I can answer that. So, I mean, we we were we 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 were inspired by Magical Survival and Vampire Survivor, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other mobile games that were doing that same type of thing. Um, so we've already seen how that works, um, but one of the, one of the things that we wanted to focus on is the balance because because those games there there isn't a lot of reason to move beyond you know the one or two screens. Um, so we wanted to kind of have a balance of exploration and uh, and you know staying in one area. So staying in one area is is really valuable because uh our souls the xp disappears which is unique to to our game and we get a lot of flack from it from the <laughs> vampire survivor fans of course um but that was a deliberate choice because if you stay in one place uh forever you're not exploring so we make the souls disappear so there's no reason to backtrack to the same place so you you get out and go um, yeah so that's you find chests and you find uh, yes. mining nodes and you find shops and um, right. and pet cages and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, but to to answer your question, I mean, it's it's we've we've we already have inspirations that work and right. we know what works about those. Right. Um, so we're really more focused on how do we take that core and make our own unique thing with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what are the things that what are the things we do like about it and what are the things that we don't like about it? And what, what do we want to do right. to make our game 
something else. Um, Excellent. So you look to others and you go, okay, they've done this. This is a concept. This where you just like, as I said, everyone just, you're moving or not. But with Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde, I've lovely you've explained that is, no, you really need to get out. You know, you can, in some cases, benefit from just wading through things at a great pace and then you gain experience or you gain chits that you then absorb and then you actually grow during the game. Just like, you know, in a MOBA, this is just what you do. You, you get, you get more powerful and you do your upgrades and you choose one depending on the style of play that you are adopting but it's all about knowing when to do that it's quite beautiful and it's quite i say beautiful in the terms of its simplicity there's no ambiguities there it's very easy to latch onto it. it's just many other games like we we're just talking about you know it is the antithesis of steel battalion <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yes. yeah it really is the absolute opposite of steel battalion um which is good which is good. Okay. Well, we can add that. We can add that for the design doc. Totally. Yeah. Don't make steel battalion. Maintain the opposite of steel battalion. Do steel battalion. We don't need a forty-button controller. That'd be good. <laughs> and that includes the foot pedals. Now, um, <laughs> so next question then is the one thing that really struck me about Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde is the sense of clarity that you embrace the concept of rogue light or rogue light. From the outset, you actually bake it into the game from the out. You don't sort of smother it or put like try to dress up as something else. You make it as part of the game mechanic. You encourage the player like you're going to die. It's okay. You're going to cease. You're going to fail a lot. That's okay. But knowing that, how do you believe this has impacted? the overall design of it it's in its from its trajectory from this you know it's this basically thread that goes right through that this is what the the the, the failure is a part of progress yeah how have you found making the designing because it goes against the grain in some cases um well it's it was uh it was an interesting design problem because what we didn't want is a scenario where the player always wins and we didn't want there to become a scenario where the player can always find a situation where they can always win. So what we wanted to do is, is to create a, a game in which you are required to learn and build your characters up and that the builds matter. That's one of our core principles um, for, for this game is that your builds do matter. It does matter what you pick. It has some, you know, reason to pick it. You can build a stronger character than building and, and a weaker one, depending on what you pick. So what we made sure is that the, 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 the meta progression system, the, the, the divinity web and other things that are coming down the line, um, you are rewarded even in failure. So the currency systems and the, the, the runes are all outside of the in-run XP system. So you lose all your XP when you die. The XP is just for that run, same as the gold. That's just for buying stuff in shops and re-rolling and stuff like that. But the meta progression system rewards you in death. So whether you last two minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, you're still going to earn something which you can then push into the meta progression system to make yourself stronger. Obviously, the better you do, the stronger you can make yourself because you earn more and more and more. Um, so we're trying to build, in essence, a game that's, that's more than just uh, an arcade experience. We, w- we want to create something that requires some thought and some choice whilst also being quite light. You know, it's, it's still... In, in many ways, our game's quite silly. We have some, some funny stuff going on in there, and we've got lots of plans. But we, we, 
I, I personally, and I think I think we as well, uh, I, I'm always a fan of rewarding players, always rewarding players for playing the game. I think uh, even in failure, you know, you can say, oh, you messed up, but, you know, you still you still got somewhere. There was still a reason for what, you're, for what you did. Um, and that's been a theme in a lot of the games I've made in the past. Um, so I think, I, I hope that answers the question. No, it does. I think, I think yeah. what, I was, what I'd sort of expand on there is the fact that it's almost as if the player is setting up the game to actually are eventually going to play. Yep. Because you're starting off with something very basic, like here's the basic concept of it, and this is not really gelling with me yet, but I know where I can turn it so it is. And you give yes. so many options initially to the player, not too many, because that's overwhelming. And mm. that's a big problem with MOBAs when you're first playing. I, I have no idea what any of this means. And Well, also, interestingly, yeah. though, that is, uh, that is causing us some heat because we're, we're finding... Obviously, because because our game is about building up powers and yeah. meta progression and things like this, when we're we're finding this this scenario now where people are unlocking new abilities or new pets that are getting added to the pool, uh, and they're having this concern that oh my pool is now weaker than it was before because now I have an unleveled up ability in there. So this yeah, is yeah. this is a uh, you know something we're addressing and we're looking yeah. at, and it's all balance based, but it's yeah. it's very it's it's an interesting. Uh, design problem that's popped up that we are we are looking into, yeah. but it's you know it's the one of those challenges. Yeah, the great thing is as well because this is early access, we we're getting a lot of feedback that we can yeah. mm. listen to. Um, you know, some of it goes against what we want. You know, our design goals and pillars because uh, you know we have our own things that we want to do. Yep. Um, but you know, it is very very helpful in mm. in you know getting it you know, moving it forwards and things. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, next. Next question. This one's quite obvious, but I just wanted to talk about how you found incorporating this particular mechanic into Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. So when you take out a mini-boss, mini not the last one, because there's a bosses, everyone, I don't want to spoil the content too much, but stuff happens like, oh, God, because you have to survive for X amount of minutes and then a thing happens. And um, But the, they drop things, a, a chest, and normally you go, oh, great, you just run over to it and grab it. Not in this game. Oh, no. You not only have to then earn the right to get the stuff in the chest by actually staying within a circle around this chest, whether it may be or be a cage for a pet and what have you. Um, how did this come about? What, why is it there? That's one for you, Pete. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we, <clears throat> we decided we, we like the idea of... of uh, having to defend a position to get a reward. Um, so we do that with uh, regular chests in the world and mining nodes. And uh, so it's, it's basically thematically you are, you are dispelling this, uh, you're dispelling the chest. So yeah. the, the mini bosses drop a monster chest and you're basically, you know, yeah, you're you're dispelling it, so you're you're opening it. Yeah. Um, the 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 ones the mini boss drop are a lot faster. Yes. Because we originally had them all the same speed, right. and, it, and it felt it felt rough that it's like I have to beat the boss and I have to wait the full yeah. length. So we sped it up by three x or something. So it's much much faster. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a mechanic that that we like and we think is valuable, and it. Mm. it it also helps with the the character variety because there's like benefits to faster characters versus slower characters. Like mm. Conrad is our big tanky character, yeah, and he has he is low mobility, so he's much harder to find shops and 
you know, <laughs> things around, but he's a complete beefcake. So yeah. you can just stand in the middle of things and laugh and um, laugh. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I just, I just love the idea of like, it's very, again, using that word sort of simple, but it's a really simple model of, of, of risk reward, isn't it? Well, that's that's it, it because is. one of the themes that I say design themes that runs through a lot of the choices we make, especially within the combat, is the risk reward. So the XP disappearing is risk reward. There's a big chunk of XP. Do you risk it? Do you go and get it yeah. from inside that horde? Um, whereas you know this this is unique to spirit hunters. The risk reward is there. You can go. Actually, it's a bit risky. I'm not going to bother. Uh, it's the same with a chest or a double chest. You know, you get scenarios where there's two chests overlapping. Oh, yeah. And, it, and, and you can get in a good position, but obviously your movement is very limited. And then if you're in a bad environment area with the wrong mobs coming at you, there's the risk reward. Do you ditch the chest? Do you come back yeah. for it? And this is always a conscious thing we're thinking of is 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 like that that risk reward um flavor you know it's it's such a a good thing and we and especially in a roguelike because it's a game you know it's a game that um that wants repeat play you know yeah. not yeah. just us as designers but from the very principle of what a roguelike yeah. is you're encouraged to repeat play so risk reward is is great in that instance because sometimes players will be feeling risky you know other times they'll be thinking nah, no, i'm not going to risk it this time yeah. and that's something we are very conscious of and we we make that choice and where when Pete actually put forward that the design for the for the chest it sort of, it just fitted in perfectly for that yeah um, and, and and i love the way it spits out all the stuff and you gotta go get it i mean it's yeah, just yeah. like rather than automatically going to you like oh you gotta go get it now like what yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love the shop the shopkeeper because you buy stuff from yeah. the shop and, and he literally just throws out. it on the ground go get it I'm probably going to draw a little comic strip of the shopkeeper. Yeah, literally chucking everything out of the shop. Worst. It's like black books. Get out. Get out. Pick it up. (laughs) Um, So, okay. um, Fantastic. So, last question then. And I suspect Nathan might pitch into this a little bit because (laughs) I want to talk about the enemies and their behaviors. Oh, yeah. So in Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde, they, they start off very simple, uh, at least in the desert. They've got skeletons that sort of gravitate towards you and reach out and do the thing. But then the time goes on, and believe me, time goes on. They start, the other things start appearing, like loads of insects. They just sort of swarm towards you. Uh, and it's quite interesting. When I initially saw the insects, I saw them as a terror. And now, halfway through a session, I go, oh, look, XP. Yep. <laughs> and, you start, and you start chasing them down because they're just all grouped together as you just your fireball just sort of slashes through them uh, because it, I, I damped it up so much. It was just this ridiculous disc of death, as I called it. Um, but I just want to ask, how have you found designing their behaviours? Because they're not really shooting projectiles because that would make it unfair. It'd be, it'd be like little Bill in the asteroids and just awful. But they sometimes do. It just, I want to ask you about their behaviours and how they've uh, how you found designing them to make sure that it does keep the experience interesting because that's the yeah. trick. So I'll, I can answer some of this. And then mm. um, so so we had um, you know, a deadline um, for monetary reasons. And it was like, okay, we need to get some base behaviors in that we can kind of like play around with numbers to kind of utilize a few tools to kind of get many kind of outcomes. Uh, so we picked, you know, I think there's three individual behaviors. I can't remember the precise number, but they kind of, they're all tweakable. And and because of how the multi-threaded nature of the enemy behaviors, we, I had to be a bit careful with how everything's processed and stuff. Um, so it's, it's a bit of work to get behavior in rather than just slapping it, you know, a new 
script in that you know from mono behavior from you. Um, but um, but it is a very interesting problem and um, solutions, and I think it's been allowed um, you know Pete and Ant to kind of take the spawners and, and add different behaviors to the enemies. Uh, but we have got plenty of other behaviors coming, which will just vastly enhance the um, um, uh, different types of behaviors. Um, mm. I suppose Pete or Ant can answer the actual um, coming up with the abilities, the behaviors. Yeah, Pete, you want to go for that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So when we were making the game, we're just like, well, um, we only we're only going to have a couple abilities uh, or a couple behaviors to begin with, um, for performance reasons and for for time reasons. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we wrote a list of 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 enemy abilities that would be cool, and then we're like, okay, bang for the buck, which ones are like, can we get tons of variety out of? So um, one was like move and dash so i was like okay well if we have move and dash we can do things like the rat can just move in half a second and stop for half a second so it just does this little little move and then we can do things like the rams that do like a long dash and stop very short and then we can do things like the mini bosses where they do a really long fast dash and they stop for two or three seconds yeah um so that one behavior we've milked like crazy yeah yeah oh yeah we've yeah we have 135 enemies in the game and i think about 60 of them use that yeah <laughs> it's some type of variety uh all times differently um but yeah yeah so yeah it's just it's just you know getting as much out of a few things yeah um, and it's really actually fun working with those type of constraints. Is how you know how much juice can we get out of this orange, right? Just yeah. so one yeah. one interesting thing was um, so talking about bullets is I was like, well, um, the bullet putting bullets on the enemies we couldn't do in the time scale that we had, but then Pete ended up playing around with so so one of the behaviors is spawning other enemies. So what we did was I, I can't remember which enemy it is now, but it's an enemy that spawns. I think it's a tornado, and the mm-hmm. tornado moves very very fast. So, so people like, I've made a bullet. <laughs> and so what this, the behavior is basically spawn, you know, enemies X seconds. Yeah, yeah. And what it does is spawns a tornado that then just has a um, move directly towards behavior yes. on the player and just like yeah. shoots past the player. It does. And yeah. that felt like a, uh, a firing. <laughs> it did. <laughs> like yeah, it does, yeah. So, so, you know, so there's, there's a few behaviors that are very simple, but when combined with different spawners and, mm. and um, you know, like spawn, like just discuss kind of um, add depth. And obviously, the more you know, I had one more behavior in you know as we worked through early access. Then that creates another bunch of different um, options, and that so it's quite rewarding just to see what you can do with um, mm. so little at this moment, mm. and what we will be able to do as we work through early access yeah, to kind yeah. of um, yeah. yeah. So because just we had an I'm, I'm back from a holiday um, on Monday. I got back and we had a really good roadmap meeting, and and part of that was like a, a behaviors document. Mm. And so we've we've gone through a, bun- a bunch of nice behaviors that we can get in um, soonish. Nice. So yeah, so it's, it's good fun. That's, it's my favorite part of well, it's one of my favorite parts of the game. It's like coming up with funny yeah. stuff you can. You, the more you can get out of one thing, is uh, quite rewarding. Which is why I left it to the last question because that was yeah. the last question. I had another twelve. We've <laughs> <laughs> you know, only got so much time. We've already overrunning yeah. as it is. Oh, so um, spirit hunters in for the horde. Uh, developed by a creature cauldron games. Great name. Where's it come from? <laughs> it's not the oh. best name. <laughs> we had a better we had, name. <laughs> we had loads of names. We just sort of worked on some names. Pete pitched some uh, character ideas for like icons and stuff. And 
we just worked our way through them. We we had a couple that we really liked, but we couldn't yeah. really use them probably, you know, for <laughs> legal reasons. Yeah. Well, that, so there's one of my favorite ones. It still haunts, it annoys me to this day that uh, there's a company and it was Fancy Beasts. Mm. And, and but it was the art that Pete made and it was like yeah. a fancy monster with a mustache. I can't remember. It was like a monocle or something. It was so funny. And I went to yeah, bed. Yeah, the teacup and the pinky up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Top hat. And, you know. It was just so good. And then the mm. next day, so I went to bed and I was telling uh, Karen, my wife, like, oh yeah, fancy beast, isn't that funny? And like I showed her the art and stuff. She was laughing. I was laughing. It was a good night. Went to the next morning, uh, Pete comes in. We can't call the, the company Fancy Beast. And then, why, Pete? Why? Uh, it's a cat food in America. That's Fancy Feast. Fancy Beast fancy feast, is yeah, owned yeah. by is, uh, is Disney. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. The Beauty and the Beast, there's a Fancy Beast fancy in a few of their yeah. games. But, but you did ask some of your friends, and, and they were like, oh, you don't want to mess with Disney. Yeah, yeah, no, don't, don't, mess, no. don't mess with Disney, yeah. No. no. Oh, Even Disney no. doesn't mess with Disney. Oh. It's that bad. You know? They can also turn up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll okay. Way away from that one. Yeah, so Spirit Hunters in for the Horde is available. What platforms? Steam, PC, currently. We do have bigger plans for um, of course. consoles, um, and I'm already in talks with um, somebody that we want to work with um, yeah. for, for that. It's just we want to move it further along the early access route before we, we, start, we start. Yeah, doing yeah, that. yeah. Um, but I always love to ask my guests what platforms are on because one episode got in trouble because I relied on Wikipedia. Bad move. <laughs> 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 yeah. But... Uh, I have to say, Anthony, Pete, and Nathan, it's been fantastic having you on the show. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Great. And uh, the more welcome to come back. We have yeah, had repeat, repeat guests on the over the years. Uh, our, our last repeat guest was, I believe, it was Tom from Roll Seven, talking about Oli Oli World. So oh, nice. Oh, nice. Um, they've been on four times now. <laughs> um, Beautiful uh, game. Yes, isn't it? It's my it's my uh, Zen game. I just sort of drift <laughs> off. And, uh, and skate my way to, to uh, bliss. But uh, anyway, like I said, you're more, more, than welcome, more than welcome to come back to talk about whatever it is next or you're cooking eventually. But there's probably some stuff you're already working on now which you can't talk about. It's fine. It's great. It's great creation. It's great. But in the meantime, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>